You're listening to Cinema Red Pill. I'm Sharon. And I'm here with uh, Joel. And... Timothy. And... Big Nick, what's up? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And Nicholas. Nicholas Muhereza. He has been Muhereza. on the podcast before. Welcome back, Nicholas. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. So, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the 1955 psychological thriller, The Night of the Hunter. Yeah. Which is from Joel's wish list. Uh, Joel has wanted us to do this film for a while, so we're doing it today to satisfy your needs. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you're putting all this on me. <laughs> all of it. This is Joel's pick. I hope you need it. <laughs> well, Nicholas loves it too. I yes, think. Nicholas likes it too. In fact, Nicholas we introduced all... it to me. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's it, right? We like the movie. We're going to talk about it. We like doing classic films from time to time. But let me introduce the film. Um, it's directed by Charles Lawton. Yes. Uh, he was a great actor, and then this is the film he directed, and it's the only film that he directed. Uh, and he never did another film again. There's many reasons cited for that. They say, oh, first of all, it was very badly received by both the audience and, and critics. the critics, and it did very badly at the box office. So they say that really killed his enthusiasm to do another film. But over the years, it's been well received and is considered to be one of the greatest films made yeah. in American film history. Yeah. So going straight to the point, um, I'm going to give the premise and I'm going to give the entire premise, like all the story, because this is a classic film. And if you're listening, you must have watched it. If you have not, maybe know the story and enjoy listening to us talk about it. Because there's in many interesting themes in the, in the film. Yeah. And, yeah. So, set in the 1930s, <laughs> um, the film starts by following the Reverend, Reverend Harry Powell, played by Robert Mitchum. Uh, he's a popular actor, of, a noir actor of the 50s and 60s. And this Reverend is talking to God about the women he kills, specifically widows. He seduces, kills, and takes their money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the reverend is put in prison for stealing a car and his cellmate happens to be a thief who stole $10,000 and hid it. The thief is executed, the reverend is released and he goes to the widow of the, of the cellmate. He marries the widow under the guise that he was a former prison preacher, but preacher has two kids, John and Paul. John is onto him and can sense that he wants his, his after the money. His mother doesn't and neither does the little girl Paul. Eventually, he kills the new, that wife of his, their mother, and the kids go on a run because the money is hidden in Paul's little bag. And they're rescued by a lady called Rachel Cooper, a woman who takes in orphans and she helps them escape from the reverend. That is the story from beginning to end. <coughs> and of course, I've simplified a lot of things. We're going to build up on them. So um, the movie is like a, the, the child nightmare. We rather first talk about the nightmare, yeah. which is the <coughs> character Reverend Powell and more so in the sense of morality in the film just the overall morality and Christianity which I think is one of the most interesting things in the film I think we should start with that um, yeah okay I'm going to be I'm, going to be, I'm just going to call Powell Mitchum for the rest of the of the okay yeah because I can't not really Reverend or preacher? preacher he's the preacher he's, let's yeah, call him a preacher okay <laughs> Jesus okay we're good mm-hmm Okay, so um, so Powell is pretty much the central character of the story. He's the one who sort of sets up a whole morality 
starts off with a very interesting conversation with God that I really liked. Um, I liked how he talks about the killing part and how there are a lot of killings in the Bible. I really, really dug that line. <laughs> and even, and even, even, even the prison when like, um, what's the name of the dad again? Ben, yeah. Mm-hmm. When like Ben asks him what religion he professes, mm-hmm. says the one betwixt me and the Lord, and like the, the one he has made for himself. Yeah. So, I mean, the, mo- the movie sort of sets it up as he's a false prophet and then Rachel Cooper is supposed to embody the actual sort of guardian angel yes. religion and all that stuff. Yeah. I didn't really buy into that particular aspect. Actually, the, the, some of the ham, the ham-fisted, um, what I felt was ham-fisted, like the, the the whole scenes of like the frogs and the whole Moses story, mm-hmm. like when, yeah, when yeah when oh, the kids I are going along that. the the river bank. Uh. No, I mean I thought it was, I thought it was nice to see, but I didn't it didn't it didn't really factor in for me in the grander story. Uh. I sort of saw it as you have this preacher dude who's using his religion to manipulate all these people, which he manipulates the whole town, turns them against. Basically, the kids are isolated. Mm. John is by himself. His mother is against him. And he uses he basically uses religion to get away with everything because everyone's like, oh, he's just he's a, he's a harmless preacher, man. Mm. He's not going to do anything. So like, how religion can be used to basically con people and like make them believe, like easily trust you, like he's a preacher. Mm. Or just trust him easily was a running theme. Yeah. And I guess you get so disassociated, then you meet Rachel Cooper at the end, who mm. helps the children. She's, I think, the only adult character that's both sensible and actually you know one of the more good-natured characters yeah. so i'm going to digress a little bit mm. it's okay the first time i was here <coughs> i think it wasn't the first time i don't know with me and sharon we spoke about another movie it was ah. uh, the ingmar bagman movie yes there's ago. a whole episode on ingmar bagman yeah and uh it covered a lot of religious themes as mm. well i'm so glad we're doing this movie too because mm. this is where i'm at yeah. Uh, fun fact, Big Nick is a staunch Christian. <laughs> so so I am very excited to talk about this movie. I'll get right into it. The preacher was a fantastic character to me. He was a, a stoic lesson in villainy for any cinephile out there. Sometimes um, one of the biggest problems a lot of contemporary films have is villains. And I think this is like a, you know a masterclass in villainy. Why I admired that they consisted in consistently referring to him as the preacher mm. is because this was the method of his uh, of his villain, how he ex- mm. exerted himself in, the, in his hunt. It's called the Night of the Hunter. We may as well go with that. He constantly combated people to his cause. The first person I think he combated properly when he was pursuing this family was... Um, the grandma of those kids, the mother of uh, the wife, he comes into the store and he's got these two tattoos on his hand mm. yeah. and he says, uh, have you heard the story of left hand, right hand, hate and love? I mean, he imposes that on Cain and Abel, <coughs> he was a great orator. Yeah. They, 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 they eat into it. The, 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 the mom, the grandma, I'll call her grandma from now on, um, <laughs> she admires this guy and she immediately calls her daughter to her and says, he looks like the kind of guy ready to settle down. And then she uses a line that I found interesting. She says, uh, the Lord didn't mean for children to be raised by a single... It's a, jo- it's a two-person job. That's what she says. Yeah. Every, in, in the entire movie, everyone is trying to exert the will of the Lord in one yeah. form or another. Yeah. It's just that they have different definitions of the Lord. 
especially Mr. Preacher himself. So the preacher combats her. And I found it also interesting that the mother didn't care why he had just gotten out of prison either. You see, that's his preacher powers in work. Anyway. He, but he, he, he says, he's, he, he's under the guise that he was a preacher in prison, but yeah, not he, uh, he, he was preaching in prison, yeah, not as a, an inmate. He made it yes. sound like he took Ben's confession, confession yes, yeah. before like he that. died. Oh, yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. You can see this guy's deceit. It, mm. it was a brilliant tapestry. Anyway. His next combat is the wife, the widow. And it's, uh, I think there's one of the more powerful scenes in that movie is when um, they're wed mm-hmm. and, and they're in, in the marital bed, right? Yeah. Yes. It's the time is, you know, she, she wishes to consummate the marriage, but he rejects her, yes. simply put. Well, not simply put it. He was very it's brutal very about adamant, it. Yeah. The next scene, you see her and she's preaching to the rest of the the, the neighborhood. Yeah, how she found salvation. Yeah, like how she found salvation and how he had prayed on her guilt, you know. What I want to talk about right now is just that position, the, the title of the man, the preacher, right? That's what his, his uh, position was. What I loved so much was towards the end, the one person he couldn't combat was, uh, what's name? Rachel Cooper. Uh, Rachel Cooper. Rachel Cooper. Yeah. He comes up to her, and uh, I think the most famous screenshot of that movie is yeah. with him, his hand on like the the post, the post of the of the stairwell, and has hate, right? Yeah, this is love. I it think, actually, actually had love. Yeah, right, right hand. Mm, yeah. Even more subject. Yeah, because anyway, she was love. Yeah, because just before he showed up. She was talking to her daughter. Oh, I forgot one more conversion. Ruby. Ruby was a convert. She met him in uh, the town center, and she, 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 you know, kind of fell for him, teenage girl fantasies or whatever. And um, as he was walking away from her after he had gotten his information and walked away, she said a very powerful thing. She says, I've done a bad thing. Guilt, right? Then she goes home to confess to her mother and she, well, her adopted mother, mm-hmm. and says, I met a guy, whatever. <coughs> and then her mother says to her, you were just looking for love where you didn't have any. Yeah. I'm so lucky I found love in you children because I lost my love before. Her son had died. Mm-hmm. It was a very brief exposition. Why I'm so interested in her character being centered in love is because when he shows up, yeah. that's what that character had that the other previous combats didn't that prevented her from being combated. That's what I believe anyway. Because yeah. when he says, okay, you know, you want to hear left hand, right hand, she quickly diverts his story, says, why are you here, right? Mm. It was very severe. And then when the, when the boy comes and says, that's not my father, she says, no, he ain't, and he ain't no preacher either. Yeah. Fuck yes. Okay, sorry. Yes, well. Okay, <laughs> um, Timothy, first give me your thoughts on, on Reverend Preacher Powell, the preacher. And his morality and Christianity, yeah, all his, all Nick. his, I know, <laughs> Nick has exhausted that. It's actually, it's actually set you up very well, I think. <laughs> and uh-huh. the thing is, I think I'd seen uh, the character more like Joel had. I think I, I, I didn't embrace him as much as Nick has probably mm-hmm. really examined him, but I'd really seen him as more of a, a sheep, I uh, know, a wolf, wolf in sheep's skin. Sheep uh-huh. skin, and then this other old lady, uh, being more like this guardian angel thing so i kind of saw uh, this story was more like a battle between good and evil basically yeah, yeah. these two that's the way i'd seen the story but the way nick really breaks down the whole psyche of the 
Which I never think is quite enlightening. Yeah, um, I think the only thing I would say is, uh, yeah, the right hand and left hand uh, <coughs> love and hate thing is, I think, iconic. I don't know if everyone else gets it from here because it's used in do the right thing too. The character yeah, has the there. love and hate thing, yeah. which is there. And I think his character is really exaggerated. Like his hate is so out there and the way the movie presents him is almost a tad supernatural. Like he's a exactly. super huge force of evil. Yeah. Which is which is really fascinating. Yeah. Because you remind you reminded me now of uh, like because when he gets arrested, he gets arrested at this burlesque show. Yeah. He's like watching this woman strip down. And he stares at the hate. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And 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 they read you know at first I just see like oh the hate trembling hand and that's all I saw. But then I thought while I was like reading up mm. uh, apparently the director sort of Meant because because you know he puts when he puts the hate hand in the pocket yeah and then like the switchblade like pokes out through his trousers mm-hmm. that was apparently like a weird erection of sorts because <laughs> he sort of conflicts yeah, like la- like yeah like yeah. lust and hate are like yeah. one thing for him so even when you were describing the whole once they are married on the honeymoon mm. like the way he responds to like lust it's, to begin it's, with, it's, it's just yeah, stuff. such a Actually, violent like response. All people would bring up about <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I missed that. Was the, something I thought you would bring up yes. was uh, this guy's obvious sexual repression. Oh yeah, I have that somewhere else. It's actually something I put up there because he talks about Joel. Uh, Joel talked about it a bit. How he justifies killing because killing happens in the bible yes like yeah. he says it happens in the bible so Plenty it's fine for me to do it yeah and then he's specifically a lot against women and that got me thinking though that the bible is kind of anti-women yeah. a lot it I've, is I've lot extremely that, yeah. anti-women yeah. so that's the thing that really registered for me that because he's actually picking up on how much the bible despises women and their bracelets and their prostitution and that's when that whole scene comes up with the lady who is what is their version of I don't know stripping uh, whatever the it's hell she's doing? It's yes, it's <laughs> one of those things which I mostly I, the all the ways the women were treated were more so intriguing to me than problematic for me, which was a really good thing for me because it a great way to look at uh, criticize the Bible for the way it actually treats women. Now let's get to the good characters, especially the kids. You're about to bring up Pearl, yeah. who is. N- below innocence she's full-on stupid but she's really young Stupidous. but especially john because i think the first section of the movie concentrates on mitchell yes uh the preacher then the second really when they run away and there are two kids on the run it's a lot about john and yes. john is a pivotal ca- character in this film True. so i think we should talk about john i would want to first <clears throat> say how everybody betrays him like you talked about it in terms of how the preacher manipulates everybody yeah. you can also read it how everybody betrays john his mother betrays him there's his uncle buddy who is on the boat yeah who is supposed to save him and you actually think that man will save him at some point but he betrays him and he's drunk that day <laughs> pal is constantly betraying yeah, him that chick was out of this world yeah. with her betrayal her, his dad also betrays him for going away and killing people and getting executed <laughs> the icy spoon couple that couple who was the first one to be manipulated by the preacher betrays him and i liked it when he finally meets rachel cooper and he's actually scared that this adult is also going to betray him yes. and she doesn't. It was a great, great moment. So I think let's talk about those those good guys, especially Little John and yeah. um, and Rachel Cooper. Just the, the good of this. We've talked a lot about the evil, just the good characters and how they were in the film. I, I, I 
can go for it, I suppose. I don't have much to say about these guys. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you have a lot to know that preacher. Oh, I thought, I thought yeah, you were going to exhaust. This is a, mo- this is a movie. movie. It's called The Night of the Hunter, <laughs> not The Night of the Hunted. Anyway, uh-huh, it's okay. so John, um, that character, I found him a little fascinating in that, like Sharon pretty much pointed out exa- uh, pretty accurately, he was, a, he was in a train of uh, betrayal. Mm-hmm. But I also found it him <coughs> interesting in the sense of uh, his lack of a father and his, uh, his constant seeking of a father figure and how he, found, he finally found it in a mother, ironically enough. Mm. I mean, after his father came and made him swear, swear to whom? Who knows? Mm. But swear, you won't tell anyone where the, the money is hidden. Yeah. Until it makes it, uh, the the toddler Paul do the same thing, uh, John takes that as a m- his first actual mission as a man. He doesn't even tell his own mother. He tells not a soul. Mm-hmm. The moment this stranger shows up, who has won over the entire town, the one thing that grounds him in reality is that promise he made to his now deceased father. What what really brought this character full circle around for me? Because from then on, he mostly played a protective but- brother, yeah. older brother role. Is when Micha, is it, uh, the character is playing Preacher. the preacher, yeah. is finally captured. Mm. His reaction caught me off guard completely. He comes to the door and he's like, you know what? Just take the money. Don't do this to me again. His other father figure is being taken away. He couldn't stand to see I that. I loved that. That was so disarming yeah. and very genuine, you know? Mm, it's, very it's, 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 um, like it's like, of course, that's exactly what he's going to do. He's mm. going to be, I don't care about the money. Mm-hmm. This money is cursed anyway. Mm. I don't care about any of this. Just don't do this to me again. Your cop's coming out to take my dad away and you're going to hang him too. Anyway, that's all I've got to say about John. I find I find mm. his little sister, Paul, more interesting, but clearly that you guys chick don't. That insanely. <laughs> She's cute as shit, but my God. No I suppose she counts as a good character too, so I might as well. Yeah. Yes, she does count Bambi. Not she's to me. she's extreme innocence. <laughs> like were you functioning really well at that age? You she's can't blame her. Well, yes. I know. I know to but continue with my heart theme from yeah. earlier. Mm-hmm. She's the only <laughs> other uh, woman in that movie who wasn't converted. And what protected her right. from the conversion was her childish innocence. No, I would see now I'd disagree with that. Mm. Um even even I would sort of disagree with the fact that uh, John was looking for a father figure. Because I like electoral explanation about how um, Mitchum, the preacher, was able to like manipulate all these people because they sort of needed, they had a void to fill, so he was able to sort of mess with that. Mm. But I think John was really pretty solid in the fact that, okay, my dad has died, he has given me this responsibility, take care of my sister, keep this money hidden. So he's really sort of filling that patriarchal role in his family. I thought he was really very sure of like who he was and know what he needed to do mm. whereas Paul was doting after the preacher so hard even after he tried to like wring her arm and like chase him all over the river when he shows up at Rachel Cooper's house Paul runs to him yeah. and hugs him so um, I thought it was yeah so we're going to the film style which is, the film is in black and white um hit it Timothy what tell us mean? Ten, oh, oh, light, oh, dark, night, noir, everything. I talk about the, the art direction. Yes. Art direction. The, the and camera work. Yeah, the film like style. Style, <laughs> style, style, style. And, uh, okay, the thing is, I think uh, they, they call this film a film noir, right? I really don't I see thought you disagree with that. No, I disagree with that. 
But many people do. It's, yeah. it's 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 people, people disagreeing noir. with the yeah. nuance. It just has similarities, similarities to noir. Exactly. Yeah. But then I think the reason why I like it probably is just from a very should I say academic point of view because I've read about this film a lot before I watched it and it's one of those things that always stands out and just like the influences that I'd seen them speaking about uh, the whole thing, German expressionism yeah. uh -huh. that's really what that's really what I like the most about the film because yeah. when I see it I actually see it. I've watched some of these old movies that they say it's like it too like so there was Ferratu like there's that mm. scene when there's like his shadow in the window yeah. He's standing outside, like that's very, very much from Nosferatu. Again, you're saying that a direction and all that. That's yeah. that whole, I don't know if you've seen it, like, the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. Yeah. Yeah, it has that whole vibe. It has that, yeah. You can clearly see it, and that's kind of the stuff I like picking up on. Another thing about it is, have <coughs> you watched M? It's a Fritz Lang movie, M? I feel it's very, very, it's very, very, very much, similar, yeah. I feel, to. I feel it's probably M is an older version of Night of the Heart, because it also involves. Uh, like a child, mm. and again, the director was saying the main theme of all that was just trying to. He was trying to say that the film was basically trying to help parents take better care of their kids because mm. they are really these vulnerable, hopeless individuals. And I thought, because I like him a lot, and I also also watched this film, I thought there are a lot of similarities. Because mm. even in him, there's this whole like the villain. We don't see him until the very end, mm. but they keep using this whistling thing he does. And identify him like he won't mm. be in the frame, but from his whistling, you know, he's somewhere that's in M. In yeah. M, but now they are like use that song here, yeah. leaving yeah. on yeah. that's yeah. kind of like his tune. That whenever mm. he sings it, you kind of yeah. that was a very good thing they yeah, did with that. Go that song at yeah, the end. So I figure I want to talk about the music, yeah. 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 yeah we'll so, go into so it next. That's yeah. mainly my angle, just the influences of German expressionism in the film from a very yeah. So, German expressionism, in my little, very little understanding, is they're very exaggerated in terms of how they present, say, emotions, which, correct me if I'm wrong, is how they are very, sometimes deliberately showing darkness whenever the, 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 the preacher shows up, and some sort of light whenever the, yeah. there's, there's the love versus yeah. the hate. They're very elaborate about yeah. the love versus the hate, yeah. which I think is pretty cool. Also, in this section, could we talk about the dialogue? How weird is that dialogue? Yeah, before, yeah. before, be, before then, yeah. Yeah, so we, we also we're also talking about style. Direction. Yes, yes. We, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think actually that's that's my biggest draw to the film, actually, even more than the story, is the art direction. Mm -hmm. What I really appreciate is the artificial sets, especially. Like that, that whole river bug sequence, I really dig. It has a really, just the backlighting yeah. of the background and everything has a really dreamy like feel. Then for me, my favorite, yeah, my favorite shot is when uh, John and uh, Paul are like sleeping in the barn. Then you have like Mitchum like silhouetted with his horse on the hill singing that haunting song. Beautiful, nightmarish visuals. And Apparently, when I read up on it, that was they wanted to actually shoot on real locations, and having shoot in a studio was like a limitation. But I think it really brought the film together. It brought a certain atmosphere to it that I think they wouldn't have achieved in a real location. So it's a really, really beautiful film. I can't list. You talk about like the exaggeratedness. Just that whole that his first arrival at the house where his shadow is cast yeah. on. The, that's some that's scary some, yeah. stuff, yeah. German expressionist stuff. Yeah. And appa apparently the, the, the writer was, the, the, the author of the novel, 
like drew a, drew a bunch of scenes a bunch of those jump expressionist style mm. scenes actually made it into the movie which i found really interesting yeah. apparently he did that scene as well so yeah i mean and again there's also the scene with the chick with the her throat slit under the water yeah. mm. that, that was, was beautifully beautiful. shot yeah. yeah yeah in the car with the seaweed and, the and even the hook like first mm. beautiful <laughs> stuff beautiful stuff yeah well i i don't know i um i, I can't really go after the juggernauts of film direction here yeah the juggernauts <laughs> because <laughs> i don't know what i'm talking about well, I, um I'll just uh, harken back to something Roger Ebert said in his review. Mm-hmm. Um, he was saying it was very unapologetically uh, artificial with its looks. He was yeah. actually he was talking about uh, how this movie has was snubbed at the time and it's still snubbed right now from like greatest of lists lists it's because number two. Kahia's the cinema, yeah. But it's like fifty or general. <laughs> From the time, yeah, like I mean, in mainstream, yeah, mainstream in yeah. circles, because it was well, it kind of eschewed most of the normal trappings of a of a of a greatest of movie. That yeah. I mean, the the lead was uh, Mitchum, Robert Mitchum, who, who's like in noirs, which mm. is pretty much the Michael Bay of the time, and um, <laughs> the, 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 the actor who directed it, he wasn't like a, a prestige mm. actor; he was mm. just yeah, a guy. So. I like that they issued all of that um, atmosphere, the, 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 the zeitgeist from the time, in mm-hmm. the looks too. It was like, the, the, when they were on the river, it looked very clearly not a river. Like, yes, I know yes. what this is, not a river. Mm. When they're in the, the, I know it's set in a small town or whatever, but yeah. they made it look very grandiose and dreamy, like, yeah. almost like you're watching it on a stage. Exactly. I yeah. like that so much. The whole yeah. of that chick's... Mm. House, what's name? Richard Cooper. Yeah, yeah. Like outside the house just looks like. Yeah, yes, yes. And the angles didn't make any sense. And this house was even inside the house. Yes. There's a great <laughs> shot inside the house when the kids are sleeping, and yeah. she's right in front. I really yeah. doubt. Even even just the scene where where like Mitchum kills her, the whole the whole church pentagonic. Mm. Oh, that was nice. Like, it, it feels really deliberate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I read uh, in, yeah. yeah, I read that I read that, that was a straight up German expressionist scene. Yeah. That helped clear stuff up because when I watched it and he goes to the window and raises his arm, I was like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> but yeah, it was like super theatrical stuff. The really scene cool. where she's like um, praying to God, like yeah. um, this, but she's so burdened. What was she confessing about? Well, I don't remember what she was praying about. But I like that scene. Did it remind you of Joan of Arc, though? Yeah, the close-ups. Yes, the way it With and she seemed yeah. so praying to God, very burdened. I really yeah. like that. I also read the some guy uh, who sort of looked at the the whole style of editing and said it's almost like Charles Lawton used as his last the, the only movie he would make because he threw so many styles mm. in that is the whole documentary style yeah, aerial shot and then <laughs> it's like everything and just throws. Yeah. Like for the concoction he threw into the movie, it works. Another another nice scene I like is the one when they're in church. I think when he's finally converted the mother of the people, yes, she's yes, preaching yes, and yes. it's like yes. a very tight shot with like these flames in it, and she's like stuck. And then you hear it's the sound. Stuck. Stuck. It's yeah, it's it's very really dreamlike because like it fills in some details. Yeah. Then you have that blurryish yeah. background where I guess your head's supposed to fill in. The rest of the stuff, which I also find really interesting. And the director could have easily done it with just like shooting behind a church, people chanting, but it's like, yeah, it's very 
Yeah, because like yeah. the like the like church, the, the congreg- frame, yeah, the congregation yeah. is sort of thrown to the side yeah. of the the frame, yeah. and three quarters is this black yeah. background. It's really pretty. Um, yeah. Last but not least, let's talk about the songs, the hymns, and the score of the yeah. film, which mostly leaning. What? As I, really, in, yeah. eh? I said leaning. The okay, song. Okay, I didn't okay. want to sing it. No, I thought you were like, I thought you're saying you're like, no, I was okay, okay. inside okay. voice trying to sing <laughs> leaning. <laughs> okay. No, that was a very significant thing about the film, so yeah. take it to town. I don't really, I really love it. Yeah. I really, really loved it. Leaning especially was special for me because that was my parents' wedding reception song. What? So immediately, that took me to childhood as a scared little child. The first time I watched the movie as a scared little child because he sort of took out as a happy memory for me mm-hmm. and perverted it. <laughs> so, I, so that was my, my first viewing of the movie was very special. Never, be, never been able to get that back again. That scene is like a sing-off. Because yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. Be, be, before then, yeah. Well, yes, oh, yeah, we get to the single. Eh, sorry, sorry, go to yes. the single. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh-huh. Yeah, the the, the 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 whole payoff with the single is cool when he's like, oh, I'm, I'm going to come back for you guys later at night. It's a cool villain thing. It's like I'll be back at night. So he sort of hangs around, starts singing the leaning song. Then him and Cooper sort of have a weird sing-off, mm. and it's and it's also going back to the whole using religion for different things thing. Yeah. I think that that scene really encapsulates it, okay. and I like how he's I, I, li- I like how he just simply says leaning, and she says leaning on yeah. Jesus. Yeah. That's a very very nice touch. Okay, really Beautiful yeah, scene. Yeah. What of the score itself? The heavy, <laughs> like not that exaggerated. It. Evil has it. come, and you must know evil has come. I love it. It's very classic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, rem- it reminded me yeah. of... It's, it's what yeah. they did those days, right? Yeah. It reminded me of uh, Cape Fear, which, which, which pretty which much used the same... Yeah, which, which was a study. Yeah, yeah, which I loved him in that as well, so... He was actually in the second one, the Scorsese one, but he had, like, a different one. I don't remember. Yeah, now. yeah, but yeah, he was. Yeah, he had the... There's a scene where yeah. the little girl sings, but it doesn't sound like her voice. Do you remember when they were yeah, on the I boat, when they were yeah, crossing party. over? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that also sounded iffy to me. You know, a lot of the music in this thing was mostly uh, children, uh, children's nursery rhymes and hymns, which to Joe, the atheist, probably sound like the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Joe, Joe, the atheist, grew up Christian, so... <laughs> but I think they played a very uh, important part in the narrative of yeah. the story. It was, was like Joe pointed <laughs> out, this uh, so-called sing-off between yeah. uh, the lady and uh, Cooper the and villain Paul, yeah. uh, really illustrated the differences <coughs> of their motivations in their faith and the differences of their definition of the Lord. Yeah. Or at the beginning when the, those children are singing the songs about being where, and it's, it's all very ominous. Yeah. <laughs> the, I, love, I think yeah. every time there's a song going through there, it's, it's, it would do you a great favor to pay attention to what the kids are singing. Mm. They, they really encapsulate the atmosphere of what the director is trying to, to portray. Like when, uh, like Sharon just brought up, when the girl was, se- when they were setting off, when they're just leaving home, it was a very uh, tragic song, wasn't it? Yeah. The, the, the lyrics themselves were quite happy, but there was just something about the performance that seemed childishly tragic, leaving home. Yeah. <laughs> Setting and also knowing that she's not really fully processing, you know, everything. Yeah, like yeah. John said to her, like, uh, w- w- 
exactly after their dad had been murdered and yeah. the children are taunting them with hey, another hey, hey, hey. when the hangman will do it the hangman will yeah and then and then when they're going home and Paul is singing it too and then yeah. John says don't sing that and she says why you're not old enough it's one of my favorite mm. scenes actually yeah. kids are kids are bastards really. they did a very fantastic thing with the music in this movie in mm. that besides the classical pretty standard score for a, mm. for a film of this sort uh, what they did with the hymns and the nursery rhymes yeah. and the juxtaposition, I thought that was very clever. Yeah, that's good. Good stuff. Uh, <coughs> the chick who plays Rachel Cooper, Lillian Gish. Yeah, yeah. She, she's like, but I think by the time she made that film, like her career was as old as cinema itself. Also the actor well, who played uh, Sh- Sh- Shelley in uh, the, the Harper, the, the, the wife, yeah. she's called Shelley Winters. I was just talking about this with Sharon and Joe, she was in Lolita. And yeah, she was, she was the mom. Yeah, she yeah. was the mom, and she was play, playing a very similar character in, in that uh, she was a recent widow yeah. who's yeah. being beset by yeah. this yeah. villainous yeah. husband yeah. and trying to protect her kids. Well, in this one, she wasn't really protecting her kids very yeah. much. But also, yeah. yeah, also like another another like interesting thing I found because you remember the end when when like the whole town is shouting blue beard, blue beard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, like I never understood what that was until. I read yeah, up, but apparently, yeah, there was yeah, there was an actual serial killer named Bluebeard. She murdering, murder, mad, no, apparently he was real, and he was actually it's murdering real. widows and children for yeah, money. Yeah, I read how it's kind of depression. based, based yeah. on him. Mm. I thought that was a fairy tale, because like he's Me always too, in fairy tale stories. Bluebeard. Yeah, yeah. Wait, it wasn't Bluebeard the pirate. <laughs> no, like. <laughs> yeah. Bluebeard, the guy who marries a divorcee and kills them. He yeah, was like yeah, a yeah. Prince or something. It's royalty. Hey, isn't that yeah. book? <laughs> okay, yeah. I think we're done. Can I close? Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. So that's it. Thank you, Joel. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you, Timothy. You're welcome. Thank you, Nicholas. <laughs> <Ain't> no thing. <laughs> yes. Um, th- thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to all be back for the next episode. Yeah. Me, Joel, Nick, and Timothy. And in the next episode, <clears throat> we'll be talking about films we loved while we were kids. But otherwise, please follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Cinema Red Pill UG. Subscribe to our channels on SoundCloud and iTunes. And uh, also, before I close, I need to plug two websites. Uh, there's Cinema Slot UG, where you can get movie showings in Kampala, uh, get ticket prices and everything. Check out that website. They're friends of ours, so check them out. There's also Cinema Escapist, where you can find African cinema con- content. And uh, a contributor, Oscar Harding, wrote a piece about Black Panther, which you can read. But otherwise, thanks for listening. I think.